Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited to be able to have the guest on today, Larry. I, I just, uh, just looking at you, you just bring so much joy to me. I'm, I, um, I know we're just starting to build our relationship, but I'm just so excited to connect with you today, have some fellowship with you, and to get to learn more about your journey as well. And I'm excited, really pumped up about the way that this episode is going to bless our audience as well. So our first question is always, who are you? Okay. Thank you, Christopher. Um, I'm Larry Gray. I'm president of Baptist Health Louisville in Kentucky. And I've been with our system for 37 years uh, and served three of our hospitals in the state. Mm -hmm. I've been here in, in Louisville for the last three years. Um, I'm married to a wonderful woman, Mary Ida, and Mary Ida and I have together, we have five children and 12 grandchildren who are tremendous uh, blessing and challenge and fun for us uh, every day. Mm. You said five kids and 12 grandchildren? That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, where are you guys in the arc of the grandchildren? Are you expecting more? Or are you guys going to tap out at 12? Or I, I think, I think we are tapped out at, at 12. Um, and, and this, this gray hair may, may uh, demonstrate what I'm about to say. Um, the end of this month, we will be celebrating with our oldest granddaughter in her marriage. She is getting married at the end of this month. So, uh, we have our grandchildren range from 10 to 24. So quite a span. <laughs> gotcha. Well, well, thank you for sharing. And yeah. uh, it sounds like I'm in good company. As I told you before, my parents have 22 grandkids. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and, but uh, the, the party's not stopping because uh, I was remarried uh, last year and, and we're, we're trying and, and hoping to expand the Gomez legacy here in the Chicagoland area. But it sounds wow. like the Gray is a massive family. Uh, so that, that's exciting to hear as well. So, yeah. uh, Larry, can you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and how you got to the president role that you're in today? Sure. Be happy to. I, uh, Christopher, I, I, you, know, you know from some of my background that you've seen that I actually came into Baptist Health uh, 37 years ago as a staff chaplain. And I have a theological background, uh, did uh, special training uh, residency in pastoral care and counseling after seminary, um, was certified as a chaplain, came to work with Baptist Health. And um, in, in that time, um, within a couple of years, was the director of the department, and we started a clinical pastoral education program, and I became a certified supervisor in that program, educator, pastoral educator. And um, however, that um, it, as much as I enjoyed the work of one-on-one uh, -on -one care of patients in crises and support of patients and support of staff um, in times of crises, I also found that educational role um, to be just real um, challenging in a, in a very good way in, mm -hmm. in what I really enjoyed doing. And I found I also enjoyed um, 
dreaming about uh, and, and implementing new projects and new ways of serving our community and serving our hospital. And so with that, uh, began to uh, take on some new uh, roles in the organization, uh, in addition to my pastoral care role, and uh, eventually had a team of folks together that our hospital referred to as the Mission Effectiveness Group, which was education, our volunteers, uh, pastoral care, social services, uh, developed a community outreach and community education uh, program to reach into underserved markets. Um, I um, started uh, and chaired the ethics committee for a long, long time, the clinical ethics committee for the hospital. And, and so I just took on more and more roles. And again, I, I found myself transitioning um, to a place where I wanted to take what I learned as a uh, pastoral educator, what I learned as a chaplain, and to impact the organizational culture in a, in a larger sense and have, have an impact on people in terms of who we are as an organization, how we live out our mission. And so um, with that, took on more. <laughs> and uh, eventually, um, within about uh, 10 years, became a vice president in the organization. And after 27 years in that hospital, um, we had a, a change in leadership in one of our rural hospitals in the edge of Appalachia. And I was asked to go down there and um, uh, be the president of that hospital because one, one thing that, quite frankly, they needed was uh, some uh, some healing, a sense of hope about who they were and somebody who believed in them and helped them to build their identity as well as their service in the community. And so I served there for seven years and then was asked to come in, um, to Baptist Health Louisville uh, three years ago. And so uh, it, it is through all of that <clears throat> that um, uh, I, I think my, my strengths and my my passion for, again, who we are in terms of our identity and our mission uh, has served us well and has been a part of what I bring, I think, to the to the leadership table. Well, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I know I want to dive in some further into the actual culture, but mm -hmm. the question that I think is just burning on my heart is like, and this is something that I, I've has been part of my own journey as well. Just thinking about, I, I would imagine there's, as you know, the majority of our guests are healthcare executives mm -hmm. uh, and nonprofit executives. And within that arc of, you know, growth within mm -hmm. your career development, I remember thinking back to periods where it's like, did I have, did I have the, the IQ, SQ, uh, EQ necessary to be able to be a CEO, to be a president? Mm -hmm. What was that? What was that moment uh, for you when you knew, like, okay, I think, I think I could actually lead this organization. I could lead this hospital. Can you, can you speak about that a little bit? Wow, that's a great question, Christopher. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. You know, I think. Back when I was in that, in my first uh, organization in Lexington, Kentucky, um, I had such great opportunities in that uh, the, the people around me um, supported me and, and believed in, in what I was doing and gave me opportunity to sort of reinvent myself and, and to do new things and to try new projects. And so in, in many ways, they, they were a part of nurturing that in me. Um, but I think I think about the time that I was asked if I would go to our hospital 
uh, in Corbin to be the president, I, I was at a place where I was thinking, you know, I, I, I can do this. And, and, and I realized that with, with a lot of humility that there, there are a lot of things, you raised an interesting point um, that I needed to reflect on. There's a lot about what I thought a hospital president should be about that I did not feel like I had the skill set for. Mm. On the other hand, um, I also believe that a part of my leadership style is understanding that I don't have to have all the answers and that building a team of folks around me uh, and then em empowering them to do their work and to use their skills and that, that together we can do what needs to be done. Um, I, I, I was able to sort of free myself up from that feeling that uh, in order to be a hospital executive or to lead a hospital, I had to know it all and have all the answers. Because if that was the case, I would I would certainly not be where I am. Uh, every day I wake up and think there is more that I should know that I than I do know. Um, but I am grateful every day that I have people around me who know those things. Um, and uh, together as a team, we can come together with good decisions and and um, do the work that that's set in front of us. So it's it's um, I, I think by and large, Christopher, it was finally come to a place of humility that said, I, 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 I don't have it all, but I believe that what I have can be dedicated and used. Mm -hmm. And there you go. That's where <laughs> started. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think that Thank you for your your candidness and vulnerability as well to share the fact that you did have some of those doubts. Yes, which which I think that you know each t each time that you level up within the career ladder, so to speak, there are those doubts of like you know whether it's like okay, I'm looking at that next role and do I have the goods to do it, and or you're then promoted into that role and you're like, um, this is new for me and and is this the right fit, etc. So yeah, so, well, you know. The, the 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 greatest fear is what is it the Peter principle no no the what what is it about being being uh, finally uh, promoted to your level of incompetence <laughs> <laughs> but but reality is there there are there are days um, there are days that I still wake up and think you know can can I do what I see this challenge out ahead of us do I have what I need and it's then again I remind myself. Um, I have the desire, I have the passion, and I know how to pull resources together that I don't have within me and that I can trust other people uh, who are on the journey with me. And, and, and that's what finally, I think, gets me through that. Well, that gives me some peace about being the huge loser that I am today, Larry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm appreciative yeah, I of, you, of you sharing that about just, you know, recognizing that we got to be able to win through the team and that we can't, we, we, you know, we're not, as much as we want to journey to becoming additional Jesus Christ in the world, we are not perfect. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. you have, if you're going to continue to progress through the leadership journey, it has to be done through other people and leveraging those strengths and 
And I think that also like just watching the chosen right now, I've just, my wife and I have just fallen in love with that show and, and watching, you know, uh, Matthew's autism and seeing like how he's such mm -hmm. a different animal than all the other disciples and, and, and Jesus's reckoning of being able to spot that out and, mm -hmm. and see people's strengths and, and put people in positions to leverage those strengths and, yeah, just absolutely love it. So thank you for sharing in that regard. And before we go further down the pathway to touting uh, your operational excellence, I want to kind of dig in some more about some of the weaknesses. <laughs> and and uh, so, yeah, can you tell us a, a little bit about some of the vices that you've had to overcome in order to reach the leadership style that you have today? Sure. Well, you know, I, I, I've thought about that since our first conversation, uh, Christopher, and as difficult as it is to admit, because I, 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 I strive to be a person of humility and integrity, but also I'm aware of times in my life that what tripped me up uh, in my progress as a leader has been the kind of um, arrogance and um, pride that is so seductive when you become successful. You know, when, when other people tell you how, how good you are and we want you to do more or we want you to be promoted, um, there, there is something seductive about that that does convince you that maybe you do have answers that, or, or, or abilities or gifts that other people don't have. And I, I, I've times that I have uh, found myself coming up short are those times when I let that um, be become what, what led me and forget that, um, I, I really don't have all the answers as I've already said, but, but also that, um, that, that kind of arrogance or pride, uh, is, um, is so defeating if, if indeed what leadership really is about is about lifting other people up to be the best they can be in the roles that they are in. If, if leadership really is about learning empathy and if leadership really is about learning how to walk alongside of people, uh, the, the, the biggest barrier for me is when I allow pride and that's that kind of arrogance. And again, that seductive side of success that, that, um, um, shadow side of, of, of success get in the way. And um, it, it, quite frankly, it was, it was a long time, Christopher, before I was able to realize that that was the, that was part of the core issue for me that I had to, um, I had to continue to learn about. And even when I say something about we, we need to learn humility or, or lead with humility, that, that is not something you learn once and for all. It, it's, it's a decision and a process every every waking day um, to remind ourselves or to uh, opportunities to learn humility all over again. So, Larry, it makes total sense. But to to dig in a little bit further and, and help our audience, can you maybe give me an example of where you felt like you, you uh, arrogance or pride had had peaked beyond what was healthy? Hmm. Wow, let me think. 
And I um, guess, I don't know if pride or arrogance is ever healthy, but in essance, I guess <laughs> there's a level, I mean, we want to be, there, there you have to be confident in yourself, you know what I mean? But then there's a level where it just gets into that place of like you're talking about where it actually is defeating for, for the leadership um, or the leader that we're striving to become. Yeah. I, well, you know, when you when you said that, I, I was reminded of a time when I was in my um, when I first became a vice president and it was I was well into my role as a vice president. And um, fortunately, I had developed a group of leaders, directors uh, around me that I supported that learned that, that fortunately they could be honest with me. Um, they could be transparent with me. They could challenge me. Um, and that didn't always feel good, but, but it was good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I recall a time when um, I was so busy and so um, preoccupied with what I thought was important and needed to be done and that um, I, I was becoming impatient. And which, which is, I think, an expression of that kind of, of arrogance. And at that time, um, I was I was going through um, annual development conversations, evaluations with with my team members individually. And I always asked them what what I could do better, what I could what I could do better as a leader to support them. That's a dangerous question if you've taught people that it's okay to be honest with you. Hmm. And. more than one of them said to me um, that I was I was becoming distant and was becoming um, that there were times when they knew the conversation was over hmm. and they knew when I was basically inviting them to, to to leave because I was I was through with the conversation and I thought I was you know, I was, I was nice. I was pleasant. I was engaging. And they're sitting there telling me, we know when the conversation's over, Larry, mm-hmm. we, we know when you are ready for us to leave. And we know when you are talking and basically you're talking us out the door. And my first response was, that's, that's just not, not that's not true. You're misreading something or, and so I sat down with a group of them and I said, I want you to tell me what this is. Um, I need your help. And, and, and I think that was a place where I realized I had become so preoccupied with the task to be done that I, had, that I was beginning to lose what I think was the strength of my leadership that had got me to that place. And that is my engagement with the people that I support and care about um, and being genuinely present with them in the moment of those conversations. Um, And that was when that was a real wake up call for me to start practicing, literally practicing uh, a discipline of being present in the moment and listening and not listening in order to have the next question or not listening in order to have the next response, but really listening to what I was being told because it was information I needed in order to be successful as a leader. 
And so that's, that's a time when I really was caught up short and had not realized how I was letting uh, my preoccupation with all that needed to be done and all I thought I could accomplish get in the way of those relationships, which really were key to being successful, real success. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that's a perpetual journey too, because it's like mm-hmm. I think we all know that, right? Like we have to be present. S- shut your brain off and listen to the person that's in front of right. you. But it's just like we have so many things that so like in today's age too, with with information that's flowing so quickly, it's that's always a, yeah. <laughs> a challenge to really just try to be just incredibly present and and that principle too plays itself into not just into the work world, but into the family world, into the spiritual world of just recognizing and being able to have that heart that's set on fire um, for the love of other people to be able to recognize when people are suffering and, and how you can be a vehicle of grace in the world and not just be like, well, I got to get to the office. I don't care that that old lady is her car is broken down and and I'm just going to drive right past her and move on. But to actually like really be mindful and present in in all moments is is definitely a, a difficult one. Now a word from our sponsors. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity that I've grown to love River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel knowing that you're helping feed homeless children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, please visit riveroflightchicago.org. Again, that URL is riveroflightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah, when, when, when my agenda is driving the conversation, then I am not I'm not listening carefully enough to to learn from the other person in front of me or or to respond to, uh, empathically and effectively to what they're telling me. So, yeah, it's it's a challenge. So I wanted to next get back into where we were headed, which is really around um the way that you've built the culture of your organization. And I think it's, and why I'm also particularly interested in this, because your journey into the C-suite to the number one spot is, is the non-traditional way of coming yeah. through the spiritual lens uh, into mm-hmm. the organization. So I'm very curious as to how your faith has shaped uh, uh, like, you know, the culture and the way that you specifically have led through the pandemic specifically as well. Yeah. I appreciate that question. I, you know, uh, Christopher, we, we talk a lot now uh, about resilience and how you bounce back from something like a year and a half pandemic and, and uh, how do you have resilience during that? And for me, uh, I think what my faith journey has taught me that became important through this as a leader is the role of two things, hope and gratitude. Th- those two things continue to come back to me um, through this uh, through this year and a half of, of the pandemic. And for, for me, that sense of hope and what I mean by that experientially and personally, as well as theologically in, in my upbringing, is that my faith has taught me that whatever situation I'm in today 
it does not have to completely define my identity and the crisis or situation I'm in today does not have to have the last word. And, and that's what I mean by, by hope um, in the sense that um, there is always the opportunity for new beginning, uh, always opportunity for a new future. And I, I think I've tried to practice that not only in my personal life in terms of how I keep going as a leader during the time early part of the pandemic when we didn't know what was happening next. We really didn't know what the future held a week from now, um, how bad this was going to get. And, you know, at the time that we thought we were through our peak um, early was really early in what turned out to be that longer pandemic. And by the time we got into last November, we were running 104, 105 patients with who were positive for COVID in, in the hospital at, at one time. And it, it was stressful. Our, our, our staff were stressed and did such heroic things. But, but I think part of that sense of maintaining hope and resilience in that process is, is about acknowledging the current reality. It's about talking about how diff, what the difficult things are and that in that process, you even have to make hard decisions that are not always going to be popular across the board. But, but hope is, it, it is not pie in the sky by and by. You know, it, it is not um, denial of the realities of the struggles of life and, and the struggles of leadership. Um, hope is about facing those things, acknowledging those things, but again, reminding ourselves that they don't have the last word. Um, because the, the last word may be a new future. Uh, it is the last word may be taking what we've learned through this process and creating a new world of healthcare. Mm. It, it is taking the stresses that we've experienced and how we've responded to those. And we come out at a different place in terms of our service to community. We have, we have been reminded over and over again about Healthcare disparities and inequities in healthcare and, and the pandemic highlighted those in ways that um, just put a spotlight on them in many ways. And, and so hope is about acknowledging the, the painful parts of that, but also knowing that we can, with curiosity and imagination, um, dream a, a different future. And so I, I think part of what I've tried to do in, in my leadership role with our, with our hospital folks has been um, early in the pandemic and for two thirds of the pandemic, I communicated every day to all staff through email and other ways of getting information out and talked about the hard realities. I told them every day how many patients we had with COVID in the hospital. I told them every day how many deaths we had in the hospital from COVID. Um, uh, complications of COVID. Every day I've told them what struggles we were having with getting uh, personal protective equipment and where we were on uh, getting everything that they needed. Every day I've told them the, the truth and reality because when, when people don't have information, you know that rumors fill in the void. Mm. And so every day I've told them those things. But I also took time to remind them of the good catches, uh, of the celebrating the, thing, the, the heroic things that took place day in, day out. 
uh, celebrating uh, where staff had gone above and beyond to make something happen for the sake of a patient. Um, and in that process, also continue to dream with them about our future post-vaccine and post-pandemic. Um, and, and, you know, you and I know that that's really a, a process that we learned from the prophets of the exile, hmm. right? We, which is, re remember, recall those days when we were in crisis, but we survived. Um, remember those great stories of our history, of our, you know, for you and I, we, we would say the history, you know, uh, the stories of our faith. Um, for, for the hospital, those, those stories where they faced challenges and emerged from those in a better place. And, and so acknowledging the realities that we face, uh, as difficult as those are, but in the process, reminding ourselves of our strength, at the same time, allowing ourselves to dream about a new day um, that will come when we can have a new future and create a, a, a new journey together. So for me, that's as a leader, I, I felt like my role as a leader was to help to name those things and, and to keep naming them over and over and over again. Current reality, what we've learned from our past and our journey that, that has sustained us and the possibility of a new future. Um, so to me, that... That, that is part of what, what hope is about as, as, as a practice, not just a feeling or a desire, but a practice uh, in, in leadership. Does that make, make sense? Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, but I guess I never thought about it from that lens of thinking about it from someone who's sitting in the chair that you're sitting in when you're impacting that many people. Just like, I think the thing that resonated the most that you said is like, if we're not telling the truth, then in essence, like then, then rumors are going to fill those gaps that we aren't actually having the courage to be able to speak about as the leader. Yeah. And then that manifests fear. And that, especially in a pandemic is the last thing that you want your staff to be doing, especially when you're, when you're managing and leading frontline workers that are responsible for the health and safety of your community as well. Well, you know, and I, I, I talked to some folks, some leaders in other organizations who uh, disagreed with that and said that they didn't want to worry their staff un unnecessarily. And, and my point was, they are already worried. Mm. They, they, they see the news. They see what's happening in other countries. They see what's happening in, in other parts of our, our own country where the pandemic is already further along than it is here. And they see that what's, what could come here. They, they are already anxious and worried. Um, and for me, the way, the way to manage that is, is to name it and be honest about it. Um, but also be honest about the fact, again, that experience does not fully define us and is not our complete identity and is not, defining our future. Uh, we still have control over about how we define our future. Yeah. So the second one you touched upon was gratitude. So how is that yeah. infused in the culture? Yeah, I, we, we've been talking a lot about creating a culture of gratitude um, in our organization. And, and we've been doing that in a variety of ways. Um, 
but but what it means for me is again it's it's it, it's a it's a practice um you know and, and i've i've written some things to our staff and been very again very transparent and said you know through all of this there there are days when 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 i don't feel very thankful um but but thankfulness to me is sort of an episodic response to things gratitude is 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 about choosing a way of life that's based on the the lens um I, I guess i see it looking at the world through a lens of abundance rather than scarcity um because when we look through uh look at the world or our situation through the lens of scarcity we we have a tendency to um, wrap our arms around things or want to control everything or not be open because we, we want to be able to maintain and hold on to what we've got. We're afraid of losing what we've got. Is there going to be enough love? Is there going to be enough money? Is there going to be enough to go around? And that lens of scarcity causes us to sort of circle the wagons. Hmm. And, and, and the lens of, of abundance says there, there is enough love to go around. Uh, we really can be hospitable and open our arms um, and open our hands to others. Um, there, we, 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 don't, we may not see it today, but, but we will survive this. We will get through this. And, and so for me, that, that sort of sense of acknowledging abundance is, is part of the practice of gratitude um, by where I'm, I, I practice being grateful for all the things around me. And part of that practice is starting to name those things for which I'm grateful. The relationships that sustain me, the, the opportunities in front of us to make a difference in our community, um, the mission that calls us forward uh, in, in healthcare. Um, be, being, being grateful for those things then creates the opportunity for me to be more open and engaging and empathic and vulnerable and all those things, which I think are key leadership qualities uh, in an organization and for any leader. Um, and, and so we, we have talked about how we practice acknowledging each other. Um, I started writing more cards and notes of just saying, hey, I saw this. Thank you so much. Um, and, and, and practicing gratitude because there was an interesting article that just came out in Harvard Business Review, a, a blog in, in, in HBR that talked about the fact that not only, Christopher, have I expressed gratitude towards you, does it do something for you? But we know that my expression of gratitude towards you does something powerful to me mm. as, as taking time to express that gratitude. Because it reminds me that I am committed to and you and I are tied together by something greater than ourselves, a, a calling or a mission in, in our healthcare environment, for example, that is that is greater than any one of us by ourselves. And so when we are connected to that greater sense of relationship and belonging, um, I, I think we we are creating a foundation of a, of a culture that is more hospitable, more open, more empowering, more engaging uh, in general for the sake of our patients and for the sake of our work with each other. So 
grat- gratitude is another key for me and thinking about what my role is as a leader. How do I, how do I help create a culture of gratitude? And obviously we, we have to do it by first of all, practicing it at, at the senior team level. Yeah. How do you, how do you, I'm just curious how, how one would go about um, secularizing that message because not everyone believes in a higher power, believes in God or believes in Jesus. And, and when you don't, I mean, I, you know, as you mentioned, like the two different opposing viewpoints of like scarcity versus abundance Mm -hmm. without, without the concept of, of a God who's a provider and, and who provides abundance for us. I would imagine that, 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 that principle in particular of gratitude would be a hard one yeah. to, to, to adopt or buy into, especially if you've got a sick kid or, you know, a parent just died of COVID or any of the different ways that we find suffering in this world. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, 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 um, when I, when I write to our staff uh, about those things, I don't use a lot of God language. I, I don't impose my faith. I am grateful, using that word, that I know that that my faith has shaped some of those thoughts for me and has helped me come to grips with with some of that and see the power there. But even our, you know, for our hospital, the the something beyond us is just a statement of our mission. And and the fact that we we are committed to something greater than ourselves here in terms of the health of our community, our larger community, that it's not just about this task in front of us. It's about all of the tasks that come together um, and, and impact our community for good. And that is something that a person who is secular or agnostic or um, or deeply spiritual can come together in, um, and and I think gratitude, in in the way that I've described it, is a is a very human experience. Um, our need for relationship is a very human experience, um, regardless of your faith journey or faith trajectory. Um, the the need for a sense of belonging, a, a need to feel um, valued. Those those go those go beyond my spiritual interpretation of those things, and and are pretty, I think, commonly shared in humanity. And I think anytime we can touch those and use those for getting people, encouraging our work together and um, valuing our work together, um, the the calling that is beyond us is. Um, you know, is again greater than any one of us by ourselves, and and speaks to our, our in, interdependence. It's it's more than any one of us can accomplish by ourselves. We we are better together than we are alone. So, Larry, what do you say to the leader who has lost hope, who feels like they're stuck in a toxic environment, or feels like they 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 are stuck in maybe vices that have precluded them from being able to rise to that next level of leadership that maybe is on their heart, but they just feel like they don't, they don't have the, they don't have it within them to be able to get to that level. Yeah. Um, 
Christopher, I, I, I would say, first of all, um, it, it does require a certain level of, if we keep using the word vulnerability um, or humility, um, to reach out and, and find a trusted person to talk with and, and to get some help. And what I mean by that is very often what we, when we ruminate and keep everything inside of our own head, it can become so overwhelming and so powerful. Hmm. And sometimes just to hear ourselves say it out loud or to risk telling another person about it helps it lose its power over us. It, it's it, just in that process can do that. And I also think then to have and, and, and to have a trusted mentor or someone um, and, and I'll be very practical about this. Sometimes that mentor does not need to be in your line of sight in terms of organizational. It probably it can often be somebody outside your organization because there are always political risk of vulnerability inside your own organization. Hmm. Sadly, but it's true. And I, I think if, if you're feeling that kind of tension and that kind of struggle, find someone that you can trust, that you can talk to, not that they have the answers for you, but that so you can hear yourself saying it out loud and you can begin to um, tease out what really has power and what doesn't, what's really important and what is not so important. Um, if you're in a truly toxic environment, um, the, the, the problem is if you're in an environment that really is contrary to your values, um, it, it can be soul numbing. Um, and I would encourage you to look for opportunities to use your talents elsewhere, quite frankly. Mm. And um, now the first part of your question, remind me, you, you, you said in terms of just discouragement. Um, I, yeah. I would, and, I, and I don't want this to sound simplistic, but it, it, I, I know it can, is to begin to think in terms of meditation and reflection on those things for which you are grateful, practicing gratitude, beginning to name the abundance that you have rather than the things that, that wear you down or, or drag you down. And those, those, are, those are disciplines, especially if, if you are feeling so discouraged. It takes discipline and a decision to do that. And, and again, I know that when, when we are depressed or discouraged, that even is, is harder. And again, it sounds perhaps too simplistic, hmm. but that's why sometimes I think to have somebody who serves as your confidant, uh, who can just simply hear you and, and let you know that you're not alone uh, in your struggle can, can be help. The, uh, it's hard to say this with a smile and maybe because I've said it so many times in so many different <laughs> ways. Um, but, you know, basically bottling up emotional pain is what led me to attempting suicide at 22. So I know mm. more than, than most on yes. what that looks like. If you aren't willing, like if you feel like I need to stomach this uh, alone and I'm not, I don't, you know, it's, it's my pain. I've got to go at it alone. Um, that just opens a whole can of worms for 
for even more uh, spiritual battles to yes. coming against you. And so, yeah, I think you're dead on when you're saying you have to be able to find someone that you can open up to with this, because oftentimes when you do that, you recognize the fact that, wow, this is really, I'm making this out to be a lot bigger of an issue than it actually is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah. So thank you so much for, for those beautiful words on that. And, and you know, you, 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 you remind me of a very important point. You know, you talked about your struggle when you were young. Uh, you know, 22 years of age. And, and, and the problem is um, when we buy into um, those notions of manhood or womanhood or strength, or again, leadership that are about control, having all the answers, having it all together, self-reliance, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't let anybody see you be vulnerable. Um, if, if that becomes a leadership style, it is a doomed leadership style. Mm. And, 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 and it's also, as you just spoke to, is, it's not healthy as a human style, <laughs> as living in relationship. Mm. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you have learned that along the way and you, that you are where you are now. Well, and then the other thing that you said that really hit on it, too, is that that gratitude journal. I know even before I came into relationship with God, that that was something that I'd actually heard from, I think, uh, both Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins. Mm. And I remember starting <laughs> off, you know, basically, you know, grew up as a Christian, but then went through this, you know, 20 year journey outside of the faith and near the end of it, actually sitting in my car like meditating exactly what you're just saying of meditating on all the blessings of why I should be thankful in life. And it definitely radically shifts the way that you're operating in the world, because instead of constantly being angered and frustrated, et cetera, just to be able to see the little things and be, and, and have that joy and happiness in your heart, instead of always feeling like, Oh, well, I wish I had this or things aren't great because of this, et cetera. But to just like be appreciative and, and be in that place of, of um, joy and happiness instead of yeah. anger and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you said that it's, you know, Hans Selyer who, you know, did all the work on stress and stress management. One of his principles is, is about gratitude, hmm. you know, naming those things for which you're grateful. Um, Victor Frankel, who was a early encouragement of mine in terms of reading his, you know, man's search for meaning just, you know, is full of that notion of as a Jewish psychiatrist, um, you know, what it, what it means to search for meaning and find meaning in your life and how powerful that is and what we can do for that. And, and as a, as a response to despair. So the, the information's out there. A lot of folks have been talking about it and, and it's not always as easy as it sounds to live it, but um, it, 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 I am convinced that is a way that we need to learn to lead and to be in relationship. Well, Larry, can I uh, close us out in prayer? Sure. Awesome. Please. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we give you this time today, and we thank you so much for the opportunity to have the fellowship that we had today on the podcast. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your brother, uh, your son, and my brother that you've sent into my walk to be able to share today, and his, uh, his candidness of 
being able to share about pride. And that, Father, we just ask that in Jesus' name that you break off um, the vice of pride on anyone that's listening today, that anyone that, you know, heard Larry's testimony about it and feeling like kind of trapped within that, that, Father, that you would break it in Jesus' name. And that, Father, that we just ask that you would release hope and joy on our listeners today, hope, gratitude, and joy on everyone listening today that you would give us the supernatural ability to be able to find that gratitude in the little things in life and that Larry's walk would go deep, that these seeds would be planted deep into the hearts of the listeners today and to just give that much more appreciation for all the ways that you bless us in this world. And we pray all this, Father, in the mighty name of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah, no worries. Well, love you, brother. Thank you so much for sharing today and look forward to you continuing the dialogue as well. Thank you. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. (laughs) Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.